Good morning. Let's pray, shall we? Heavenly Father, we thank you this morning as we reflect upon this wonderful episode in the life of Jesus in Matthew chapter 9. We thank you for the ways that you teach us so clearly who Jesus is, what he came to do, and how that benefits us. Father, this morning, would you help us to see the truth, the goodness, and the beauty of what Jesus taught and did? And we ask this in his name. Amen. All around the world, nearly a third of the human population claims to be a follower of Jesus. 2.5 billion people, that's 2,500 million, that is a lot of people, claim to be Christians, disciples of this man, the Christ. Why? What is it about Christianity that has caused so many alive today and in the past to follow Jesus? I mean, you've got across the world any number of other options. There's four different major religions that all kind of have 500 million followers or more in Christianity, Islam, Hinduism and Buddhism. You've got the growing number who are atheistic and no religion and then you've got any number hundreds maybe even thousands of the little folk religions and local practices and beliefs and why christianity I mean, was it just luck right it just happened to come along the teachings of jesus were at the right time and the right place all right, Christians got lucky because the emperor of Rome became a Christian and so really by force of the sword, the world became a Christian. Was it just luck? Or is there something about the message of Jesus? Is there something unique? In fact, that's where I want to begin. I want to begin by suggesting to you that there is something unique about Christianity. It's not just one more option. It's different. It's not just another religion and you can pick and choose whichever suits that uh, maybe you were born into a family that follows this or born into a family that follows that. It doesn't really matter. Or even I was talking to somebody this week who has a friend who wants to pick the best bits out of each one of them. Well, how about we take this bit from that and that bit from that one and we mash them all into a new thing that's perfect for me. No, there's something about Christianity that sets it apart. And here it is. You ready? I'm going to tell it to you straight up because we're going to see it straight away. Only Jesus can forgive sin. There is what is unique about Christianity. That it comes with forgiveness for sin. That is, that restoration of rightness, okay, whatever the religion you want to have, whether it has a God that you have to be right with or just the world or the forces or whatever it is, restoration of rightness in Christianity doesn't depend on my actions, but on being forgiven. Oh, right, Islam talks about forgiveness. In Islam they say, Allah will forgive you, if you do the right deeds, if you have the five pillars, and as long as you do those pillars, then you will be forgiven. Although each time you do the pillar, you get forgiven up to that point, and then the tally starts again. And so you have to do it again at some point, and you get forgiven up to that point. I think it's why they pray five times a day. It's because, well, you just, I've got to keep up, right? Otherwise it builds. Hinduism. 
Hinduism, you are reincarnated based on your merit. How good a life did you leave this time? Well, you're going to get a better life next time or a worse life, depending on what it is that you've done. Buddhism, everything that you do is an act to escape suffering. You're always striving and struggling against striving and struggling. It's a little bit unusual. Christianity, God can forgive you. Now, this morning what I want to do is ask three questions of that idea. Three questions about the forgiveness of sins that comes from Jesus. Is it true? Is it good? Is it beautiful? Is it true? Did did it really happen? Is this something that we can empirically somehow say, yes, there is forgiveness of sins in Jesus? Is it good? Is it fair? Is it right and just and moral for there to be forgiveness of sins in Jesus? And is it beautiful? Does this present a picture of a world that you would like to live in? Now, honestly, these are questions that you could and should ask of any view of the world. If you're here today and you have a different view, you you don't call yourself a Christian, I'd encourage you to ask those same three questions of your view of the world. But for now, for today, let's ask it of Jesus. Is it true, firstly? Is it real that we can have our sin forgiven through Jesus? Now, look, we're going to spend a bit of time in Matthew 9. So if you're in Colossians still, come back and open your Bible to Matthew chapter 9. We're going to work a little bit through that story and I want to point some things out along the way. So you'll find it helpful to have. The story really is very simple in in this telling. A number of the other Gospels include this same story with some more details. But this one is very simple. And Jesus says some very simple things that are astonishing. Have a look. Let's pick up the story again. Chapter 9 in Matthew, verse 1. Jesus got into a boat, crossed over and came to his own town. Some men brought to him a paralytic lying on a stretcher. Seeing their faith, Jesus said to the paralytic, Have courage, son, your sins are forgiven. Very simple, isn't it? And yet that moment, if, if this was a movie would have the, the crescendo of the music. The, the, this, this is a moment where history almost fractures. What do you mean your sins are forgiven? That, that you are now right. In fact, that you are now righteous. That the evil of your past, every thought, every deed, every idea, every inaction, every missed moment, what do you mean your sins are forgiven? Gone. Whatever burden has been carried, whatever regret was there, whatever real, true and deep guilt removed? The scribes who were there, these these are guys who understood religion, they had a problem with that sentence. Have a look in verse 3. At this, some of the scribes just started muttering, he's blaspheming. Who does he think he is? Well, you know what blasphemy is? He's somehow mistreating the name of God. I take it they are saying Jesus is claiming to do things that only God can do. Who does Jesus think he is? Is it true that Jesus can forgive sin? This is something only God can do. He's blaspheming. So Jesus sets up a little test for them. He says, I'm going to show you a hard thing that God does and an easier thing that God does. 
And if I can do the hard thing, well, it follows that I can do the easier thing, right? It makes sense. It will give you the hard thing. If you can bench press 100 kilograms, then you can bench press 10 kilograms. I mean, you're hardly going to blink, right? If you can run a marathon, then you're going to manage to walk down to the 7-Eleven. I mean, if you can do the harder thing, you can do the easier thing. If you can heal a quadriplegic, the power of God to enter into creation and change somebody who is so debilitated, then you can do the work of God to forgive sins. Is it real? And Jesus said, verse 5, which is easier to say. Here's the test. Your sins are forgiven or to say, get up and walk. Get up and walk is harder, isn't it? There's visible, evident, obvious proof. If I say to you now, stop feeling cold and feel warm, you know whether I have power or not, because you're still shivering, right? Like the test is obvious. So that you might know, he says, that I have authority on earth to forgive sins. He says to the paralytic, get up, take up your stretcher and go home. Let me bench press 100 kilos. Let me run the marathon. Let me heal the man who is in front of you. And he got up, (laughs) picked up his stretcher and went home. Is it real? Can Jesus forgive sin? Well, yes. He did the harder thing that God does to show he could do the easier. Now, look, we we could talk with this question about is it real? We could talk about the historicity of the Bible. Was this event real? Did it really happen? Was it true? Is this empirical? And and there there are good answers for all of that. Um, We we ran a stretch night last school holidays that we didn't run. um, And so it's going to come up still sometime soon. Keep an eye out for when that's going to happen. There are answers to all of that, right? The best knowledge that we have is that this is true. It happened. The forgiveness of sin is real. The people who were there, the people who were present at these events, saw that as conclusive. Look down at verse 8, they gave glory to God. Jesus is claiming to do things that only God can do and when they see him do it, they say, wow, Jesus did that. God did that. They recognised the truth. In Jesus, there is really forgiveness of sin. But it brings us to the second question, though. Is it good? That is, is it it moral or just or fair for Jesus to be the one who forgives sins? Now, we've got to think about this one a little bit, okay? I I need your brains. Uh, We're going to have to ponder this one a little bit deeper. And I want to illustrate it for you, if I can. Here's, here's, uh, Here's how this works. I want to show you what's wrong before we show you what's right. Imagine for a moment, I'm, I'm up here preaching, and, uh, and Joe takes issue with something that I've said, and he gets up and, and wanders down towards the front, and he says, David, and I look at him, and then he punches me really hard. Actually, no, left-handed, because his, his right hand would hurt him a little bit. I don't know, is that, a, is that an actual cast? Like, is it plaster or just bandages? Okay, so right-handed, because it would hurt me more. I mean, it hurt him too, but right, poof, and, and I'm, I'm like, there's broken bits and teeth, and, and right, and my nose is even more crooked than before. And Aaron jumps up and says, it's okay, Joe, I forgive you. That doesn't, that doesn't work, does it? Aaron can't do that. Joe has wronged me, Forgiveness requires 
him to pay if it was justice or me to pay if it was mercy. Aaron can't interfere here. The third party can't do the forgiving. For me to forgive Joe would require me to bear the cost. But by the same token, I can't just choose someone at random to pay either, can I? Joe walks up, punch me in the face. Oh, that hurt, that hurt so much. All right, Charles, you're paying for it. No, right? Charles had nothing to do with it. Is it fair for Jesus to forgive sin? They understood the problem. No, they say it's not. Only God can forgive. Sin is wrongdoing against God. Someone else can't jump in and say, I'm going to forgive you. God has to forgive. And the only way for God to forgive is for God to pay. Otherwise, it's justice, it's wage, it's earned. How can Jesus say, your sin be forgiven? Well, I'll tell you why. It can only happen if two things are true. The first is that Jesus is God. There is no other way for this to be fair. And the second thing that has to be true is that God pays for sin. Which is a tremendous sentence to say. For the penalty of sin is death. The Bible is very clear, Jesus is God. I mean, it's in our passage. They recognise that Jesus claims to do the things that only God can do and he does them. And Jesus is the one who died that forgiveness might happen. It's in our, in our passage there in Colossians, it's also in Ephesians, I'll, I'll read it from Ephesians just because it's slightly, slightly it, it phrases it in this the language of forgiveness. Listen to this, Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 7, in Jesus we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace. God is so kind, so gracious, so merciful, that he entered into his own creation to die, so that he could forgive. Is is it good? Is this message fair? Well, if anything, it's unfair in the other direction. God is, is too kind. What sort of a mercy is this? What sort of a gift? The riches of his grace, it says, trying to capture the depth of what is going on here. The, how profound this kindness is. We, we don't have a word for it. It's, it's astounding sort of kindness. It's astonishing. In Jesus, there is forgiveness of sins. Is it real? Yes. He did the harder thing to show he could do the easier thing. Is it good? Yes. Because Jesus, God himself entered into our world, died. He paid that we might be forgiven. And so is it beautiful? Does this present a picture of a world that you would like to live in? Now, I want for a moment, if I can, to compare it to some of the alternatives. Let's see if some of the other ways of viewing the world present a beautiful picture, present a world you'd like to live in. Again, let's talk about Islam for a moment, mostly just because it's kind of number two in in, in our list, right? Uh, It's the second most followed religion in the world. 
And Islam also talks about forgiveness. Islam says, Allah will forgive you, God will forgive you. So to that extent, they look kind of similar. However, that's kind of where the similarities fail, because as we said at the start, the forgiveness that is in Islam is based on your works. It's, it's not really forgiveness at all. It's wage, it's earned, it's merit. You do the job and you get the forgiveness as a result of doing the job. And so you become a Muslim, you pray the prayer of faith and your sins up to that point get wiped clean and then you pray five times a day and you gather on Fridays and each time you pray your sin gets forgiven up until that point and you fast through the month of Ramadan and as you do that your sin gets forgiven up until that point and you give alms, you give money away often during the month of Ramadan because you get double benefit when you do it then and your sin gets forgiven up until that point and if you're really really in trouble and you probably should do this anyway you've got to do a pilgrimage to Mecca to the holy site and your sin gets forgiven up until that point let's grant for a moment let's just a little thought experiment let's say that Islam is true okay let's just there's no real reason to believe it's true but let's just okay sure maybe, maybe it is and let's, let's pretend that it is right, that it's fair, although I'm not quite sure how one act of duty wipes the slate clean. But just for a moment, let's say, okay, it, it does work that way, it, it, it is right, it is good. Does it present a picture of a world you want to live in? A world where at any given point in time, you have no idea where you stand with God. Whether you've been forgiven up until this point or not whether you've begun accumulating sin again and when you die, well, Muhammad himself is quoted as having said, nobody can know. I can't know. When we get there, well, it'll just be up to Allah, won't it? <laughs> it's a life of fear and uncertainty. Do I want that life? Absolutely not. What about Hinduism? Hinduism is, if anything, even stranger. Your life sucks? Well, too bad. It must have been because you were rotter last life. Good luck in the next one. In fact, you are so down, you must have been so bad in your last life that I get to beat you up and you can't say anything about it because you were such a... You can't remember any of it. I'm sorry about that. But maybe one day it'll get better. In a future reincarnation, by the way, which you don't know about now. Or what about... Let's, let's, let's pick on something perhaps a little bit... Uh, outside of the thought, the, the secular worldview, the atheistic worldview, the, the materialistic view of so many around us. I mean, that's, that is one of the growing categories, no religion. <laughs> is it real? Is it true that there is no God? Well, actually, the resurrection of Jesus says that there is a God, but again, let's grant for a moment that it's true. Is it good? Well, in atheism, there's no such thing as good. There's no basis for morality, right and wrong, who cares? You can be a mass murderer or Mother Teresa. It makes no difference at all. You're just a bunch of atoms walking on the earth. Please yourself and then die. Is it beautiful? Honestly, it's depressing. There's nothing. You, you make whatever you can of life, which really just sucks most of the time, and then die. What about Christianity? Forgiveness of sins. Is it beautiful? When the crowd saw this, they were awestruck. They gave glory to God. I mean, you tell me. Is it beautiful to live with peace now and complete assurance into eternity? 
to live knowing that the creator of the universe, the one who sustains it moment by moment, the one whose very words breathe life and existence, to know that he is so on my side that he would die for me. You tell me to live a life that is now transformed by his presence, knowing that the past is dealt with, the future is assured, and all that belongs to him is mine. You tell me. Is that a picture of a world you want to live in? It's, it's an amazing picture. And you know, it's a picture that can be yours. There are four different responses in this passage. I want to just tease them out briefly for a moment. Four different groups of people who respond in different ways to Jesus. There's the scribes, first of all. <clears throat> The scribes are an interesting group because they picked up a problem. It was a real problem. It was an actual question that needed to be asked. They understood what was happening, Jesus claiming to do the things that only God can do. And they said, who do you think you are? They asked the right question. And maybe you are somebody who's got real, deep, genuine questions about Christianity. You think to yourself, well, hang on, how can that work? What does that mean? Is this real? They're good questions. The problem with the scribes is that they let their issues get in the way. Even when they got answers, I mean, who does he think he is? Well, God, let me prove it to you. Proved. But they still wouldn't trust him. Even though their questions were answered, as the story unfolds, they clearly miss out. Now, if that's you, please come and explore your issues. I'm not saying check them at the door and don't think. By no means, there are answers. Christianity is robust. It stands up to being questioned. Come and explore. But don't let the issues prevent you from receiving forgiveness. Come with the attitude that says, no, okay, there is a point where I have to say, okay, my questions have been answered. I've got to take the plunge. The second group I want to point out is the crowd. They're they're interesting, right? Because they get to the end, they're amazed, they're awestruck, they're fearful, reads the original. They were fearful and gave glory to God. Wow, look at Jesus, he's pretty cool, isn't he? I wonder if this isn't the response of most people on the street. What do you think of Jesus? Oh, yeah, he's pretty good. A good teacher, said some good things, right? We'd, We'd all be better if we listened to him a bit and did what he said, right? Like, That's very different to trusting him. That's very different to giving your life to him. Again, as the story unfolds, so many in the crowd eventually go, eh, not really what I was after. Thanks, but um, off they wander. Being afraid, being awestruck, giving glory to God even, none of these things are the same as giving your life to Jesus, just trusting him. Third response, what about the paralytic? What a day for that man, hey? <laughs> Do you reckon he woke up thinking that's how the day would go? How much had they planned this? All right, it's been a week worth. We've got the spreadsheets and the timetable, synchronised watches or sundials, whatever it is that we're going to... All right, here we go. Let's, today's the day. And he gets there and Jesus says, your sins are forgiven. What a day. Came hoping to walk left righteous. 
Oh, he, he got some benefits out of his righteousness. Jesus did heal him. Although it's worth pointing out, his healing was to show that the forgiveness was real, not, not as a promise, okay? So don't think that you come to Jesus and he will guarantee to heal you, that you can walk too. This healing was to show he had the power to forgive. What Jesus offers you is the forgiveness, the, the bigger thing, the better thing. Life with Jesus. What faith, eh? To say to your friends, pick me up, take me. His friends to say, yes, Jesus can heal, let's go. To trust yourself to Jesus, thinking, I am like that paralytic. Actually, perhaps a little bit of an illustration. The man who could do nothing for himself. That's us before God, those who can do nothing for ourselves. Will you come like that man, trusting but you know what, for Christians, can I talk to you for a moment as well? Because there's a fourth set of people in this story. I don't know if you notice them. We, we always kind of don't think about them too much. The paralytic's friends. What a fascinating group of people. When Jesus looked at them, he saw their faith. I mean, we assume it's the paralytic man included, but the faith of the friends to say, man, you need help. Jesus can get it to you. I'm, gonna, I'm literally going to drag you there. In fact, the other accounts of this story, where they give us a little bit more detail, the story is, is ridiculous. The crowd is so big, they can't get to Jesus. So they climb on the roof, make a hole through the roof and lower the guy down in front of Jesus. Man, those are good friends. I mean, engineers, perhaps, as well. It's good to be friends with engineers. But... Now, can I say, if somebody invited you here today, or perhaps you're watching online and someone sent this to you, what a good friend you have. They, they are like these friends with the paralytic who want good for you, who want you to meet Jesus and receive what this paralytic man received. You have friends who love you. Gee, you're lucky to have friends like that. And a little bit of a challenge perhaps to us, maybe even a little bit of a rebuke sometimes. Do we love those around us who need Jesus as much as these guys did? Sometimes it's a bit too much for us to hand out a bit of paper and an invite. Sometimes it's a little bit too much for us just to open my mouth and say, actually, I, I follow Jesus. I don't think Christians are all idiots. I don't think God's a monster. Sometimes it's too much for us to do something so little. How can we learn to be like these men? Busting holes in roofs, dragging them along. You need Jesus. Well, Christianity, I think rightly, has 2.5 billion followers. In fact, I'm astonished there aren't more. Because what it offers is forgiveness, true, real, deep, good, right, fair and beautiful. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that you loved us enough to enter into our world in Jesus, to die. Thank you that you loved us so much to be able to forgive May we be those who trust Jesus with all of ourselves, give our lives to him to be his. And we ask this for your glory.
Amen.